Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is episode seven of season two of Rams Up, your LA Rams podcast. The big news this week, of course, is the signing of Bobby Wagner. The Rams bring on Bobby Wagner, the ex-Seattle linebacker, and he's going to man the middle of our defense. That's pretty exciting. And we're going to have a discussion about what Bobby Wagner means to this team and this defense in the final segment Of this episode. So, a lot more to come on that. But the meat of this episode is we begin our journey across the NFC West. We're going to check in with insiders of each of our NFC West rivals. How has their offseason gone so far? What have they got done? What work is left for them to do? What might they be looking at in the NFL draft? This episode, we have Jess Root the editor of the Cards Wire website and co-host of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. On Tuesday, we will check in with Brandon Schultz of the Seahawkers podcast. And finally, on Wednesday, 
John Chapman of the 49ers Rush Podcast joins us. So three days, three podcasts, each one of them more or less dedicated to one of our NFC West rivals. Good stuff. Discussion with Jess Root coming up, as I said. Before we get to that, some news and notes. The overtime rule has been changed, as everybody knows by now, for the playoffs. If the first team that gets possession scores a touchdown, the other team still gets one shot with the ball in the playoffs. That's the only fair way to do it. This, of course, is a fallout from that Bills-Chiefs game. Rams training dates announced. First day, April 18th. OTAs, May 23rd and 24th, May 26th and May 31st through June 2nd, followed by a mandatory minicamp June 7th, 8th, and 9th. And I have to call myself out. My fearsome four questions last week, one of my answers was a rookie draft pick would be lining up next to Ernest Jones in the middle of our defense. Well, I was proved wrong very quickly. That's just going to be Bobby Wagner. Just wanted to make sure you are all aware that I'm aware I messed that one up. On the other coast, Todd Bowles taken over for Bruce Arians as coach of the Bucks. I suspect there is a rift between Arians and Brady. Bowles, a more than competent coach, though. Bucks, to me, are still the biggest competition the Rams will have getting back to the Super Bowl. And the Dodgers. You know, I've always said that up until last year, anyways, their Achilles heel was left-handed pitching because they have so many great hitters from the left-handed side. A.J. Pollock was one of the neutralizers, as was Justin Turner. And then they brought on Trey Turner. He was going to help. Chris Taylor bats from the right-hand side. So does Will Smith. But now they've traded Pollock to the White Sox for Craig Kimbrell. I get it. Strengthens that bullpen after losing Kenley Jansen. But, but I'm really concerned once again about our vulnerability against left-handed pitching. So we'll see how that works out. A.J. Pollock is one of the Dodgers' most reliable, consistent hitters last year, and I think he's going to be missed. I'm not going to talk much about the Lakers. I'm not going to talk about them at all. Just say, man, things are not looking good. They may not even make the playoffs. Going to prove me wrong. Long term, this team's going to need a big makeover. And I don't know how they do it. I just don't know how they do it. Nobody seems to know. World Cup draws announced. United States in the same pool as England, Iran, and the winner of a play-in between the Ukraine, Scotland, and Wales. I suspect Wales will win out there. So U.S. has their work cut out from them. England, obviously the top dog there. Wales is no pushover, assuming they get in. I'm hoping U.S. at least takes the number two spot. And if they do, they will probably play either the Netherlands or Senegal coming out of the other group. Next up, Jess Root talks Cardinals football with us. And that's followed by our discussion, me and Tom, talking about this Bobby Wagner acquisition. The NFL season is behind us, but time for some college basketball fun. College basketball fans... Join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. 
If they win, you win with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or over, restrictions apply. See our show notes for details. Greetings, Ram fans. I have Tom Quartz. You can find him on Twitter at RamsBeat. He's back with us today. How are you doing, Tom? Hey, great. Great to be back. It's NFC West week here on Rams Up. We're kicking off three straight days, three straight episodes, visiting with insiders of each of our NFC West rivals to break down their team's offseason thus far. Joining us right now is Jess Root representing the Cardinals. Jess is the editor of the Cards Wire website and co-host of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. How you doing, Jess? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Okay, great. Something I'd really like to talk about is Kyler Murray. I mean, every NFL team, it really starts and ends with the quarterback. Uh, he has improved every year. And it kind of tailed off at the end of last year from, from our perspective anyways. How do you feel about Kyler Murray? What does he need to improve on this year to be considered truly one of the elite NFL quarterbacks? How do you feel about his development so far? How is Cards Nation feel feeling about Kyler Murray right now? Well, the truth is, is that the fan base right now is kind of mixed kind of things of how have played out so far in the offseason. Um the the contract desire for the contract extension, uh, the way things ended last season. There's a lot of people that, and I don't think it's a large amount, but it, they are certainly vocal on social media that are ready to move on from Kyler Murray, which for, to me is crazy. He's the most talented quarterback we've seen in, in, already in three seasons. He's a top three quarterback in franchise history and is very quickly going to be a top two quarterback in, in franchise history he's if you kind of look at he was the number one pick in 2019 so expectations were already high. he's exceeding every expectation you could have for a young quarterback by taking a terrible 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 team that came out of 2018 winning five games with them as a rookie been in a rookie of the year in 2020 there was probably a five game stretch they, they got up to, to five and two they had that win over the bills it looked like he, he was playing at an MVP level. Fast forward to 2021, the first half of the season, he's the MVP favorite. Now, the season didn't end well. He got he had the ankle injury. Um, DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. The offensive basically everyone on the team played worse in the second half of the season, and that started with the injury to J.J. Watt and to DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler got hurt. They treaded water with 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 Colt McCoy at quarterback, but then. The defense, like after that, it was Kyler Murray making some plays or nothing was happening at all. And so while he had a decline in play, he was also missing his number one receiver. Chase Edmonds and James Conner were not healthy together until the playoff game, and neither one of them was 100% at that point. Um, they were down their best cornerback in Robert Alford, and so everything defensively. So while Kyler was trying to hold things together, he lost his top weapon, 
the the defense lost two of their best players and the defense wasn't making plays and that defense over was overperforming because they were it was never designed to be a run stopping team it was the offense was supposed to the way they're built the cardinals are supposed to score points like if the defense gets an early stop or an early turnover then the cardinals get points and they can play from ahead and the defense played well like that throughout the most of the season but if there it was close or if there was a team who could run the ball or that got in the lead they it, the defense wasn't good enough to do that. Now, looking ahead to this year, based on what we've seen from Kyler the first three years, there's no reason to think that he's going to be better. I mean, I, I he is one of the best. Like, if you look at, if you talk to players around the league, he's a star. He's on the cusp of eliteness. And and really, the, the injury, the ankle injury, was really untimely because, you know, that Green Bay game, he took the Cardinals down the field on that last drive, took them 98 yards, nearly, well, starting at the two yard, they took them down the field and, and was going to beat the Packers and be 8-0. A.J. Green doesn't turn around and the game goes a different way. And then things start to sour kind of after that. So I, I am not with the, the, the fans. There's a bunch of fans that are all ready to trade him. I don't, I don't understand that because we've been through, we've been through, quarterback hell before here recently um i don't know why we'd want to do that people are worried about well what happens if he doesn't live up to the expectations well at least you've got a pretty good quarterback you can if if that extension comes you're paying him 40 million dollars a year and he's Kirk cousins guess what you're still competitive the other option is to not have a quarterback be terrible go through guys like josh rosen and Derek anderson and and Max Hall, and I could name you a dozen quarterbacks that never should have started football games in the NFL that have started NFL football games since the Cardinals came to Arizona in the late 80s. Yeah, it's kind of that same old question, right? Uh, you want to replace Kyler Murray, uh, who, who are you going to replace him with? And yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you, he's, got, he's got a rookie of the year and two Pro Bowls in three seasons. So if they draft a quarterback – and he doesn't do that, are you going to move on from him too? Because that doesn't make any sense at all. Kyler is the present. He is the future. He's going to be great. Like, there is nothing that suggests he's not going to get better. Is he a finished product? Of course not. Can he? The, the, the body language? Give me, like, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with the criticism about the body language because guess what? We've seen it for, like, how many times have we seen Tom Brady griping at Philip Rivers, uh, Kurt Warner yapping, yapping at the at their teammates? Um, Kyler Murray doesn't doesn't like losing. He gets he gets out. Like Cam Newton was the same way, and he was one of the great quarterbacks until his body gave out on him. So I, I don't I don't buy much into the body language thing. He doesn't have to lead a particular way, and he's only in his fourth year, and he's only in his twenty four years old. And on top of that. He was a starter one year in college. And so to be that guy, he's not a vocal leader. He's not Joey Burrow. And he's not Philip Rivers. He, so he leads in a different way. And so the notion that he has to be like the Cardinals knew that when he drafted him. They knew the type of man that he was, a young man that he was. They knew the type of person he was, the way he is in the locker room personality. If they were expecting him to be the the loud vocal leader then they were the ones who made that mistake um and so he's like the players love like that 
unnamed front office report where the the point he's a finger pointer and he's selfish you listen to everyone who's in the locker room with him they love him he is a fiery competitor he works extremely hard and there's there's basically three things that will that will endear yourself to teammates one is practice habits he's got great practice habits there is competitiveness and performance on the field. If you perform on the field, you will have the respect of your teammates. And he doesn't treat his teammates poorly. He has relationships with the guys in the locker room. He just leads in a different way. So I think the criticism that we're hearing about Murray is, is unnecessary. And there's no reason to believe he's going to even take the next step. Because, And if you go further than that, you lose DeAndre Hopkins. Look, what was Josh Allen before Stephon Diggs got to Buffalo? He was wildly inconsistent. Take Jamar Chase off of Joey Burrow's team last year, and then you've got a very different team. So you keep DeAndre Hopkins on that team, and guess what? He's going to play at a high level. They're going to be scoring 30-plus points a game, and it's going to be great. Yeah, that's really good insight because, uh, I, like a lot of Ram fans, I really see the Cardinals close up twice a year. And in the two games last year, uh, the first game, uh, Cardinals destroyed the Rams. You know, they they had that game in hand from start to finish. And then the second game, um, you know, uh, Rams got him back. And in the playoff game, I think he was kind of banged up. They didn't have Hopkins. So, you know, we don't get the full picture. So that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on. Well, that, that second game when they were in, in Arizona, Kyler was the only reason they kept that game in reach. The Rams had control of it most of the game, but Kyler kept that game close. The, the playoff game was a disaster, and and I like to put I like go big picture. The Cardinals obviously started on seven zero. They were they should have, based on what they started, they should have been better in the playoffs. But overall perspective entering the season, the Cardinals were viewed as a team that maybe could maybe could make the playoffs be competitive. The Rams were, I believe, the Rams were the favorites to win the Super Bowl. It's just during the regular season it didn't look like that. But by the end of the year. The Cardinals were made the playoffs, didn't win the division, and got steamrolled by the team that won the won the world championship. So, right, yeah, that's basically how that was the best case scenario for the Cardinals to begin with. Right, right. Gotcha. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for that, Jess. Um, yeah, we're I think Kyler Murray, as Mark pointed out, has uh, improved every year, and we're um, looking to see what he does this year to improve his game. Uh, you know, so um, that uh, that also goes to his competitiveness and his preparation. So next, let's move on to what the Cardinals have done in free agency so far. So take us through any major additions and losses that they've had and your takes on the move so far. Well, the 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 theme of the offseason has been, hmm, we're not doing much. Their their biggest moves have been the re-signing of Zach Ertz and and also of James Conner. So Zach Ertz got a three years, 31 million and change deal. James Conner got three years, 21 million. And after that, so well, I like the deals. The Connor one is a little pricey, but there, he was the he played a complementary role, basically 50-50 role with Chase Edmonds. He will now be the number one back, and the Cardinals have been willing to pay guys that much. They paid Kenyon Drake eight million to be the number one guy in 2020. They were they paid David Johnson to be the guy before that. So if Connor's going to come in and be that guy, if if he comes in as the last year in a shared role, he had 1,100 yards from scrimmage. If he can in a start in a workhorse role you know, have 1,500 yards from scrimmage and score 10 to 15 touchdowns. Now, the touchdown total is can always be variable. They had 18 last year, second in the league. 
But if he can go out there and score double-digit touchdowns and have 1,500 yards from scrimmage, that's money well spent. Zach Ertz what made a connection with Kyler Murray almost immediately. He is probably the most talented tight end the Cardinals have ever had. Um, now, they've had Todd Heap, but he was, he was a, the carcass of Todd Heap at that point when they had him. Um, but tight end position has always been a problem for the Cardinals, and Zach Ertz gives Kyler a great option there. They re-signed Max Williams, who was having a career year before he went down with the ACL. Now, they've re-signed a bunch of guys, um, but their biggest loss is they lost Chandler Jones, they lost Christian Kirk, they lost Chase Edmonds. The loss of Jones is interesting because he had he's their franchise leader in sacks, and thus far, they haven't filled that role. They don't have someone to replace him in the lineup right now. Now, you look at he had 10 and a half sacks, which is fantastic, he made another Pro Bowl. But you also say he's 32 years old and only had five and a half sacks after week one. And he made, I mean, at $17 million for three more years each year, I get why the Raiders got him. And I think it's a perfect scenario for him because he's paired opposite of Max Crosby. where That way he can continue to be a dynamic guy. But if he's going to be the top pass rusher, like the one that gets all the attention, that those days he's inconsistent now. He can't maintain that that same level christian kirk was their number one receiver last year um got way way more money than anyone probably should have paid him to go to jacksonville but the cardinals already had a replacement for him they drafted rondell moore rondell moore will replace kirk in that role in the slot and so they're probably it's probably a wash there um after that chase edmonds he goes to miami but they're paying Connor to be the number one back rather than having a 1A, 1B. And so the decision to go with Connor over Edmonds, I understand because it's hard to replicate the skill set that Connor does. Edmonds, who is smaller, he can catch the ball, he's fast and quick. You can, you can replicate, you might not get the same level of talent, but you can replicate it much more easily. And they have a guy on their roster, Nino Benjamin, who could do that. They could draft someone um, as well. Uh, so in a smaller role, if Chase will, like, Eno Benjamin's not going to be the 50-50 guy. He's going to be the 15 to 20% guy that, that, that spells Connor. They can, he can give them the, the production there. The issue now, well, that and then additions outside the organization, they signed Jeff Gladney, former, the, former first-round pick of the, Minnesota Vikings was out of football for a year because of a, an assault charge. He was recently acquitted of. Um, he he projects as the starting cornerback with with Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy, and then they added Will Hernandez, former second round pick of the Giants. Um, he's an intriguing one because he came out of college out of UTEP as as one of the top guard prospects in the in the country. He had a good rookie year, and then things fell off. But that's the Giants and and. Yeah, he's being reunited with his, so UTEP, when he was there at UTEP, Sean Kugler was the head coach there, and Sean Kugler is the offensive line coach and run game coordinator for the Cardinals. So if there's anyone who know how to get out of Hernandez what we thought he could be in the pros, it'll be Kugler. So he, they've, they've arguably upgraded at right guard. They have a big hole at pass rush. They have a hole at their number two receiver because they haven't replaced AJ Green, although AJ Green might be back. And then pretty much everyone else, it's they've re-signed. They re-signed a bunch of key players. They re-signed their punter and their long snapper. So special teams batteries the same. They brought back a lot of their special teamers. And and yeah, that's kind of been the 
people are not happy with the fact that the Cardinals aren't doing much. But my belief is what their philosophy is this offseason. They see a team that was dominant at 7-0 and and then injuries to Watt and Hopkins derailed the season. And so rather than panicking and trying to remake the roster, they're bringing back the core of guys and trying to add around that because they believe they can compete with the Rams in the division the way the roster was assembled. Whether that's going to work out, especially if, if you're going to count on J.J. Watt being healthy for a full season, um, DeAndre Hopkins has never been hurt before, but you have to think that he's going to be back, and that means the offense will be fine. But they're kind of going with, we believe in the team that we had, so let's run it back and make a few tweaks. Yeah, it really seemed like, uh, obviously, it was a, a first-place team, best record in the in the league in the first half. And then, uh, as you mentioned, the injuries really derailed them. And uh, so how do you see the team a adding to his depth and sort of addressing that uh, so that injuries have less of an impact uh, going forward. I mean, I think the Cardinals have um, sort of notoriously been uh, poor in the second half, and it, I don't think it's a, a drop-off in performance as much as it is a, uh, a series of injuries. And again, the lack of depth that has really affected them. So how do you really see them addressing that? Is it through more free agency trades, or is it just uh, being really smart in the draft? I think it's a combination of all that. You're going to see them make some smaller moves in free agency, but they're also counting on the development of some of their younger players. So uh, at the defensive line, for example, Zach Allen really stood out last year. And so you get Watt, you get Zach Allen. But if you get Rashard Lawrence and, and Lecky Foto and Michael Dogby, younger players taking another step forward, they don't have to be great, but that'll help with that that defensive front. They are counting on their young they have depth at inside linebacker because their projected starters are Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. They signed Nick Vigil, who, who is not a great starter, but he can start and be productive. Um, on the offensive line, that's going to be interesting. They brought, they only had one free agent in Max Garcia, and he left, and they swapped him out with, with Will Hernandez. Um, but yeah, they, they need to hit on the draft. They need their young players that they already have on the roster to improve. And... They're gonna need they're gonna need some smaller moves in free agency to do that. I don't see them really making any trades. Uh, the only trade I could see is dumping Andy Isabella, uh, their former second round pick in 2019, who hasn't done anything yet and and just doesn't have a real fit on the roster. And if they can get anything for him, maybe a sixth round pick at best, or package him with a pick to try and move up. Because the Cardinals don't have picks in the fourth or fifth round this year. The the fourth round pick went away to the Ravers and is part of the deal to move up to draft Marco Wilson last year. And their fifth round pick went to the Eagles um, to acquire Ertz last year. Yeah, so they moving on to the draft. So I believe they have eight draft picks, a first, second, third, as you mentioned, no fourth and fifth. And then they have two sixths and three sevenths. Is that correct? That is correct. And then they, so they have the 23rd pick, I believe, in the first round. So where do you see them going in the first round? Or what do you see them doing with that uh, 23rd pick? And are there any other positions or specific players uh, that you see them targeting? Well, with the 23rd pick, it's really hard to, to peg a particular player. But I will say there are four positions I, I believe they, they just won't do. Obviously, they're not going to pick a quarterback in the first round. I don't think they're going to pick a safety in the first round with the safety that I've got. They're not going to take... Uh, they're not lot likely going to take a running back with the money they just gave James Conner. And they better not take another inside linebacker. Okay. 
after Isaiah Simmons and Dons and Hassan Reddick, they wanted to make an inside linebacker, and Dale Buchanan, they wanted to make an, they got to stop spending first round picks on on inside linebackers. So those four four those four positions, I think, are more or less off the board. Uh, the favorites, receiver. People want to see them draft a first round receiver, but the way this draft is going, it's going to be hard. Do you want to take the sixth best receiver at the twenty third pick? Um, so you could go receiver, pass rusher, into the, really any other position really could work, um, other than the four mentioned. But if I had so receivers that are intriguing, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks is interesting, but because he basically played only in the slot in college, they already have that guy in Rondell Moore. So unless they believe he can play outside, which he could, but it would be a projection uh, unless they see him projecting to be a great Z. I don't know if he's be the pick. Chris Olave, Jamison Williams is an interesting guy coming off the ACL. I don't know where, where teams value him. Um, George Pickens is a great, I, I don't know his first round material, but I wouldn't mind him. I think he's a perfect pick. Drake London is my favorite in terms of fit. Um, but if I had to, I think he'll probably be long gone. So a couple of names to, uh, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams at receiver um, on at on the offensive line. Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green, I think, are both p- p- potential picks there. The pass rush is going to be really interesting because the best ones are going to be off the board. And and uh, Jabo, the, the Achilles tear, that that was devastating because he could have been right in there, right there. But the two two Georgia interior defenders, Jordan Davis and and Devontae Wyatt, um, I think would be Steve Kime. Cannot help himself. Athletic defensive lineman. He he gushes over. Like they drafted Robert Kindichi in 2016. That didn't work out. 2019, he Quinnen Williams might have been the first pick. And then last year, Derek Brown would have been the pick if they hadn't picked him seventh overall by the Panthers. So Steve Kime loves an athletic defensive tackle. Jordan Davis, he would run to the podium with that name, though. He'll probably long be gone. But Devontae Wyatt is is equally good. I could see them going that direction. The pass rushers are interesting because you, at that range, you're looking at a guy like George Karloftis, which is really, really polarizing. People love him or they hate him. Um, he could be in the mix as well. Um, cornerbacks, if you, I've seen some, there's Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie out of Washington have both showed up in mock drafts. Kyrie Elam out of Washington, out of Florida would be a possibility as well. But at the 23rd pick, it's really hard to peg a position or a player um, based on the, just where the number of picks before them. But, you know, if, if I had to pick my, I, the premium position, they would be, it would be good if they went with premium positions where you could go with pass rusher or, or, or quarterback. But, you could also go defensive interior. You could also go interior offensive line or receiver. Yeah, follow-up question on the draft. I, I take a look, Taking a look back at last year's draft, one guy I loved was Zavin Collins, and I was actually hoping the Rams, he would find his way to uh, one of the Rams picks. You guys got him in the first round. How do you feel? Are you Do I sense some disappointment with him or just the fact that they keep on drafting linebackers? Well, that's part of it, but – he was disappointing last year because he ended up playing very much. Um, he and 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 they they 
part of that was from having Jordan Hicks on the roster. Now they they mishandled that whole situation because Steve Kime told Jordan Hicks, "You can't start. You're not going to compete. We drafted your replacement." And Jordan Hicks was, "Oh, really?" So they tried. He he looked for a trade partner, didn't find anyone, and then he decided, "I'm going to buck up and I'm going to compete." And then he was just playing better. And and Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, Jordan Hicks is is his guy. Um, he was a team captain. There was no way that Zayden Collins was going to start if Jordan Hicks was on the roster. They cut Jordan Hicks. He signed with the Vikings. And so now the, the way is clear for Collins. When he played, he wasn't bad. So he played in a real limited role. And fans are really disappointed because their first-round picks never seemed to play. But what's troubling is that his role decreased as the year went on. Tanner Vallejo replaced him and Joe Walker replaced him. And part of that is he got hurt in the middle of the year. And, and then Tanner Vallejo, a guy they like, he's not super athletic. He's not anything special, but... Uh, Vance Joseph can trust him. And so there were some moments like, and and perhaps this is the thing to know when you draft a guy out of a smaller school in the first round, it isn't likely they're going to make an impact early. It's hard to do that. But going from Tulsa to the NFL is a huge change. Now he didn't have to learn a new position. He just had to get used to NFL scheme. And so we'll see what happens this year. Uh, you, you've got size and athleticism with Collins and Simmons in the middle of the field. They call them a couple of trees. No, they're not just a couple of trees. They're a couple of really fast, athletic, strong trees in the middle of that defense. The question is going to be, do they, can the both of them play with the headiness that they need at that position? Right. Yeah, I like both those guys coming out in the draft. Okay, last question for me. Um, the odds makers currently have between the Rams, Niners, and Cardinals, odds makers predicting all three of those teams will have 10 or 11 wins. Uh, how do you feel? How do you feel this division stacks up right now? And um, you don't have to cater to our uh, the fact that we're a Rams podcast, just the truth. How, how do you feel this division shaking out? I think it will continue to be. So if things go well, the Cardinals stay healthy, and Kyler takes another step forward. They will be. They will be every bit as competitive. I think you have. To, you have to look at the Rams as the favorite. They're the, they're the champions. Um, however, like there's like you, you did y'all did lose some key players. Darius Williams in the secondary. You lost Von Miller. Uh, Odell Beckham's hurt. He hasn't been re-signed. You lose. You trade Robert Woods. You lose Andrew Whitworth. Those are significant things, though. Adding Bobby Wagner, you now have a stud at each level of the sec in, on the defense. And considering considering the the linebacker position was a perceived weakness on that defense, that's a really good addition. That said, it's hard to repeat, and you lost it. It's there. I think they will be regular season as good as they were last year. Uh, the 49ers are 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 a wild card because it depends on. Trey Lance. And so they're, they're a big question mark. The Cardinals are a question mark. But I know one place has the Cardinals over under set at about nine wins, but I would expect this to be most certainly, much like last year, a three. Well, last year was a two team race. But if the 49ers stay healthy, which is something they've really struggled with, and if Trey Lance is okay, it'll be a three team race, I think, the whole way with the Seahawks. I, I don't feel bad about that. Yeah, that's kind of how I saw it. That's kind of how I see it. I think uh, it's just going to be a battle. And with these... It'll come down to... Actually, it's going to come down to the divisional games. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's... It's it's a case where if you perform well in the division, then 
then the Cardinals will whoever whoever has the best division record and it didn't work out last year because the Cardinals had a couple of dumb losses they ended up four and two in the division um, but whoever can take advantage whoever can get four or more wins in the division will kind of come out on top yeah, yeah. that's kind of how we see it and it's going to be tough to get three teams from the NFC West into the playoffs again given that we have to play the AFC West so it may end up just being those top two. Uh, it was pretty incredible, actually, that we got three in last year. I don't see that happening this year, but uh, I would definitely put the Cardinals up there with the Rams um, as far as fighting for the division title. And, and like you say, look at the NFC. The NFC is, you know, the NFC looks different now. Russell Wilson's not in the NFC. Right. Tom Brady's back. So yeah, you got right. But but you're you're looking the the NFC looks different now. It's not the, the power they keep moving. They keep moving talent to the AFC. Right, right. Um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for the 49ers though, and the Cardinals. The 49ers, their defense uh, never misses a beat. It seems like so we we well, don't the, enjoy. The 49ers playing that. are are y'all's kryptonite. Right, right. Any more uh, any more questions from you, Tom? Yeah, that's great, Jess. Uh, thanks for. Uh, joining us. Uh, yeah, so please let everybody know how they can find you and follow you and uh, and learn uh, learn about the Cardinals and going forward. Well, the the site where I do all my, most of my work in writing is cardswire.com. It's part of the USA Today NFL Wire. The, the podcast is Rise Up See Red. You can find it on literally anywhere that podcasts are. Is a, if you get podcasts, you can find it. Um, I've been doing the show for the last eight years and do week now, now granted if you're rams fans i don't know why you're going to listen to a podcast about the cardinals other than every once in a while on social media you can find me on 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 twitter at senor jess root so s-e-n-o-r than my name or just look search jess root search for cards wire either way i man both accounts yeah one of the reasons we're doing this is i think there's an increased interest uh uh you know i see it across the league with uh teams uh fans of a specific team taking an interest in their primary rivals, which, which, you know, typically come out of their own division. And so, uh, yeah, we'd love to see a lot more information flowing to Rams fans and from Rams fans to, to other platforms and other teams. So, uh, so we'll give a big push to follow you and, uh, and, uh, and look you up on cards wire and your podcast. All right, guys. And the Cardinals are hoping to be the third straight team to play in their stadium in the Super Bowl. Yep. So you, you said it, you're right. but what's going to happen? Okay. That's it. <laughs> hey, hey thanks, thanks so much, Jess. Yeah, thanks for All joining right. us. That was Jess Root, host of the Cards Wire website and co-host of the Rise Up See Red podcast. You can follow him at, as you said, at Senior Jess Root. Uh, thanks a lot, Jess. And maybe we'll do it again. And uh, perhaps we'll reach out to you before the season starts, after the draft, and uh, kind of revisit all these topics. Sure thing. Okay, thanks a lot, Jess. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I brought on Tom here to have a quick discussion about Bobby Wagner and how he's going to fit in with this defense. Uh, the way I see it, uh, off the top of my head, he's going to be playing alongside Ernest Jones, which is such a dream scenario for a second-year linebacker, in my opinion. 
I would suspect both of those guys are going to be three down linebackers, which is a really big advantage too. Uh, I think they'll be on the field the whole time. The question for me is um, specifically, you know, which one will be uh, used more in blitz packages. And secondly, uh, I'm also a little confused, or I just don't know who's going to be wearing the dot on the helmet. Uh, I think it had been Jordan Fuller. I think Ernest Jones, a linebacker, would be ideal. But does Bobby Wagner, by default, become the captain of that defense? What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think uh, Bobby Wagner uh, definitely becomes the the uh, you know sort of a co-leader along with Jalen Ramsey and uh, Aaron Donald, as you mentioned, in that um, in the center of that defense. And now they have that that strong veteran leadership, uh, premier player at every level. Uh, I do think that that the Rams, as do most teams, prefer that the dot be at the linebacker position. Um, and, uh, you know, as they saw with uh, Troy Reader taking the dot last year as well. Um, so I do think that uh, that Bobby Wagner will have the dot. And um, obviously Jordan Fuller can, you know, has experience with that as well. But that's a massive upgrade, obviously, uh, uh, over Troy Reader. Um, you know, Troy Reader, undrafted, uh, you know, player that came in and did well. He was a special teams guy that had to fill the gap and probably performed admirably and above expectations given uh, where he came from. But he was a serious deficiency, especially in pass coverage. And uh, that's where teams really started to focus and bringing Bobby Wagner in along with hopefully a healthy Ernest Jones will really shore up the center of that Rams defense that allows them to be effective in that too high shell that they love to run. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of blitz packages and so forth, either of those guys can get to the quarterback, so it'll provide some nice diversity and uh, multiplicity in their uh, attack. Uh, the teams won't know where they're going to come from. Uh, they're both solid in uh, pass defense as well as run defense, so they have a a real good uh, uh, a real good foundation there. And then um, and then uh, Travis Howard is also a great backup uh, that can come in and spell those guys as needed. Yeah, an interesting aspect of this whole, how this has all gone down. Um, a lot of people outside uh, of Ram Nation, you know, think, oh, losing Von Miller and adding Bobby Wagner, that's a, a net loss, which may be true. Uh, I'm not so sure myself how that's going to pan out. But the way I look at it, at it is this, if midseason last year, if you told me the Rams were going to add an edge rusher versus adding a premier inside linebacker. I think the bigger need at that time was inside linebacker. Uh, their pass rush was pretty productive before Von Miller got there. So I, I think right now, uh, sure, I'd love to have Von Miller on this team, and I'd love to have Bobby Wagner. If you asked me to pick which one I'd rather have, uh, I'm, I'm kind of torn, but I'm not disappointed with having Bobby Wagner in lieu of Von Miller, that's for sure. Yeah, the, the Rams did perform well prior to Von Miller arriving, uh, Justin Hollins and Terrell Lewis in particular. With, but the one loss that they uh, had in, in addition to Von Miller was Obo Okoronko, right. which is um, he was a big contributor to that defense prior to Von, Von Miller's arrival and continued to be after the fact. Uh, Terrell Lewis was the odd man out in that situation. And so I do see the Rams uh, uh, bringing in another edge or, or recruiting I'm still holding out the hope that they, uh, now that they've got their big moves done, is that they they signed Trey Flowers from Detroit, 
um, would be a tre tremendous uh, addition and great for him as well to take kind of a one or two year rehab contract to make some big money on the free agency market. Uh, the Rams can get their comp pick if he leaves and he might be willing to take a little less money to play alongside Aaron Donald. And we all know how well the edges uh, perform alongside Aaron Donald. Um, so, uh, and get paid like Fowler and, and the like. So uh, that's, that's my take on the edge, but you know, I don't, I don't see the Bobby Wagner and Von Miller uh, They're Like you mentioned, they're two different things, two different positions, two different needs and um, are definitely being addressed separately. Yeah, so I see right now, as of today, they obviously need a punter. Uh, I think they'll, I think they'll find themselves a punter somewhere. Uh, most of the other position groups are actually in in decent shape. Um, the question is, do they need? Uh, they definitely need a cornerback, whether it's a starter or uh, a depth guy. Probably two cornerbacks actually. Um, they could use another body on the edge if not a starter or a, someone that's getting significant significant snaps, uh, they probably need another guy there and maybe some depth along the offensive line, if not a starter. Um, that's how I see it right now. Uh, all the other position groups, I think they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I agree with you. I would put offensive line number one. I, I don't see, uh, obviously we have Havenstein and Edwards coming back. No boom and Allen resigned. Uh, you know, uh, we all have a lot of confidence in Note Boom taking over for Whitworth, but that's yet to be seen. Uh, so big, uh, big shoes to step into. Uh, and so we're uh, what we're really looking at is is right guard, and right now uh, that would be filled by maybe Colvin Shelton or uh, somebody like that. I don't see that uh, the Rams going into this season with that being that offensive line being there. I think they're either going to uh, push up and draft somebody very early in that position. There's a lot of good uh, interior offensive linemen in the draft. Uh, and uh, so I see that being their number one concern. And then a uh, close second is the is the cornerback position. Obviously, we lost Darius Williams. Uh, Dante Dion, uh, who's probably the uh, uh, right up there with uh, at our second best cornerback uh, uh, last year, was uh, was uh, is still a free agent. I, I think they're going to bring him back, but we'll see. Uh, I'm really hopeful that they do. Uh, other than that, it's Rochelle and Long. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, a few backups that didn't perform well at all when they were stepped in during COVID and some injuries. So, uh, yeah, cornerback and offensive line are the two big, uh, the two big needs by far and with a nod to potentially the edge. Yeah. And I think punter, as I said last week, um, there's going to be a handful of talented punters that don't get drafted and they're going to be on the first plane to LA. Uh, to try to win that job. That's how. It, that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think they'll draft a punter, but it's possible, I suppose. Unless uh, a raise is there in the seventh round or something like that from San Diego State. But um... right. Okay. Thanks a lot. That was good stuff. Now, don't forget, everybody, tomorrow we drop again. Brandon Schultz of the Seahawker podcast joins us to talk Seattle Seahawks football. And then the following day... John Chapman of the 49ers Rush Podcast joining us to talk about the 49ers. So three drops, three days in a row, coming at you. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. 
And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.